Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 3, Episode 33, The Nature of Love, Part 2. And as we continue our deep dive into what love is, what the nature of love is, um, I really want to be able to kind of slow down and do a deep, deep dive. So I'm going to use uh, a couple of the descriptive terms from only one of the verses of the quote-unquote love chapter today, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 today and focusing on a couple of the things that uh, Paul writes about in, in, in that verse. But first, I just want to back up a little bit and remind us that when we're talking about love, we're talking about the love nature. We're talking about God, because God is love. So the first thing I wanted to read was John chapter 13, verse 35, which is the red letters, Jesus speaking. And he says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This to me is a very, very important verse because, and, and yeah, it is one of my favorites. Um, it's very important because a lot of times I feel like in the quote unquote church world or in religion or uh, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, however you want to identify it, people always kind of want to be seen as uh, a good Christian or um, they want to be seen as holy or they want to be seen as uh, whatever, uh, you know, good, basically, um, which is unfortunate because I think a lot of times Christians are kind of identified as hypocrites because a lot of times it's more of a do as I say, not as I do kind of thing when it comes to the way that Christians judge other people's lifestyles. And to me, that's really, really unfortunate. And, you know, I've, I've ranted and preached, <clears throat> excuse me, and even written some about uh, judgment and about the idea, you know, Jesus said, judge not, least ye be not judged for whatever measure you use to meet it out, it will be measured against you, which I contend was not Jesus saying, don't ever judge, because we judge things all the time. We judge things like every second of every day. We make snap judgments on things. Um, a lot of times we make bad judgments on things because we don't know the full story. We don't know what's going on. We don't know always why that person did what they did, but we're willing to judge them just simply because of what they did. And, you know, that can lead to a lot of problems, especially when we understand that we're all just people. Like the same mistakes you make, are probably some of the same mistakes that I make because we all go through a lot of the same things. I always say uh, it's amazing to me how this 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 human existence that we have, this life that we have, it's it's so universal, but it's so individual. Because I believe we're all just trying to get from the start of the day to the end of the day, but that looks different to different people. And uh, you know, if you've gone through something, if you're going through something that I've already gone through, then maybe I can understand it better. Maybe I can judge it a little more appropriately and a little more uh, rightly. 
But I always, when we're talking about judgment, I always go back to another verse in the Bible that says, um, judge not by appearance, but judge righteous judgment. We have to stop living by sight and start living by faith. We have to start seeing things the way that Jesus sees them. We have to start using the mind of Christ that's already in us. We have to start using these gifts that we've been given. We have to start sharing the love that we've been given. And again, that's how people will know that that's what will prove to the world that we are Jesus's disciples. It's the love that we have for one another. How else could you possibly represent the God who is love other than by loving people? There's no other way. That's why I always say love is not just the most holy thing you can do. It's the only holy thing you can do. Love is not just the most righteous thing you can do. Love is the only righteous thing you can do. Love is holy. Love is righteous. Love is all of these things. And that's why I want to focus this series. And again, I want to really kind of slow down. I think I'm going to be talking about the nature of love for a while. So I, I hope it's, you know, I, I hope it's going to touch some people and reach some people. But it's so important to me that we understand what love is, that we understand the nature of love. Because love is so easy to twist around, to use improperly, to uh, people use love, like they use quote unquote, I love you, to manipulate people, to get what they want from people. And to me, that's so awful. Like that's the worst because love is never about getting because love is giving for God. So loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. There's a direct connection between loving and giving. Now, again, you know, I always say you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving because love is giving. Jesus said, no greater love can a man have than to lay his life down for his friends. When you give your life to somebody, that's how you prove your love to them. It's about esteeming others higher than ourselves. And you know what? Being humble doesn't mean you think less of itself. Being humble doesn't mean you think, oh, I'm worthless. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not. No, being humble does not mean thinking less of yourself. Being humble just means thinking of yourself less. It means not worrying about yourself because you know you're covered. And that's the best part about having people in your life who love you, because if I am watching out for you and if you are watching out for me, then neither one of us has to worry about our own selves. We can stand back to crack, excuse me, back to back with each other and we can know that we're both covered and then we don't have to worry about ourselves. But honestly, that's kind of a rare thing. It's kind of a rare deal to find somebody who really truly loves you in the way that God loves you. So when you do find that thing, you need, you need to cherish it. You need to understand it. You need to make sure that you don't manipulate it and you don't twist it around and you don't let it be something that it's not. So I want to dive in here and I want to really start looking at some of the things that love is. And again, we're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, in which Paul writes, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. And that's what I want to focus on today. Patience, kindness, uh, not being proud, just really having that uh, endurance, which, which I told you I'm going to focus on a lot in this series, because I believe love never fails because love endures. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to the endurance. We're going to get to the long suffering. But patience is a big part of endurance. And that's what it says in James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. 
where the heading in the Bible I'm reading out of actually says patience and endurance. Like it links them together. The point of being patient is so that you can endure. The point of having patience is so that you can go through what you're going through and you can get to the other side. Patience is not just about passively sitting back and letting things happen. Patience is about knowing that God has a plan for you and that he will bring it to pass. It's the same idea to me about, and, and, and we're going to read it in a second. It's the same idea to me about, you know, some plant, some water, but it's God who gets the harvest. You don't have to do everything. And in fact, you, you can't do everything. You're not supposed to do everything. Just do your part. Just stay in your lane. Just be who God called you to be the best that you can be. You don't have to save everybody or fix everything. Just stay in your lane. Just love the people that God has put you in contact with. And and I believe it was Mother Teresa who said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Because that's your biggest and most powerful sphere of influence. Those are the people that you can really pour yourself into. Like, I, you know, for me, more than anybody else in my life, it's my son. He's the one that I'm responsible for. He's the one, you know, he, he's, he, he's the one that I pour myself into. He's the one that I give myself to. He's the one that I do everything for. And I know that he sees it, and I know that he receives that love in a lot of ways. And then because he knows and believes and receives his father's love, then he is equipped and empowered to give that love. And that's amazing. One of my favorite stories about Logan is when he was a little kid, this is before even school. We, My mom was working for uh, a school, and they had like a, like a early, early childhood deal. It was maybe like preschool, but I think it was even before preschool. But because my mom worked there, I was able to, to take Logan there. So it was like a half a day or whatever. And I would take Logan and I would drop him off and I would go to the library and I would do some writing until it was time to come pick him up. And then I would go get him and we would carry on with our day. So one day when I went to pick him up, uh, I got him and he was holding my hand and we were walking out in the parking lot, walking to my truck. And he happened to see one of his classmates also walking out with their dad and he got all excited about it, which I thought was hilarious because he had just spent all day with this kid. And now he sees him in the parking lot, which is, you know, a whole different world from, from the classroom. And he's excited to see his friend who he just saw all day. But anyway, he, uh, he starts like jumping up and down and waving his hand and trying to get his friend's attention. And then when he did get his friend's attention, I could tell that he didn't really know what to say or do from there. So he kind of stuttered and stammered a little bit. And then he goes, I love you. And the kid kind of, you know, took a step back a little bit. I don't know if he, he it, it, I don't know if he didn't hear love very much. In his, I don't know, but he certainly wasn't expecting it from my son in the parking lot. But uh, he said, I love you too. And then I, you know, I kind of looked at the dad and we kind of nodded at each other. And then we went on our separate ways. But when I was driving home, I couldn't stop smiling because I was like, my kid, is the kid who, when he doesn't know what to say, he says, I love you. Like, that's amazing. Like, that's great. That should be our number one response, like, all of the time. And I know that saying I love you can be, uh, it has different weight in, situ in different situations, if I can say it like that. Like, of course, you know, romantic relationship situations is a whole different deal. But on the, uh, on the most base, basic surface level, 
we should be telling each other, I love you all the time. And it shouldn't be weird. And it shouldn't be, uh, you know, it shouldn't make us feel uh, any kind of way except, you know, good and pure and proper. Because we as humans, we were created with this need for love. We were created with a God-sized, God-shaped, love-sized, love-shaped void inside of us. And nothing can fill that void except God, except love. And that's why he gave his only begotten son, so that we might know him and know his love for us and experience it and be able to live life to the fullest, to experience Jesus's abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life as Jesus lives his own life in us and through us and as us. It's a resurrection life. It's a life of love. It's a whole different thing. Remember last week we talked about how we were given our new, true nature. And now we have that, and we don't need to get it. We simply need to know it and believe it. We simply need to receive it and release it so we can experience it. But let's read about uh, patience and endurance in James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. It reads, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. So again, you know, patience isn't saying, uh, I'm just going to endure and whatever happens is going to happen. Patience is when you're looking forward to something and waiting for it. It says again, they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. This is not uh, being patient. It means I know this is going to happen. So when it happens in God's time, I'm ready for it. Patience is, a, it, it's about being ready. Patience is about knowing and believing that God is going to do what he says he's going to do when he's ready to do it. So many times, especially in our society that we have now, this 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 microwave society, this, this snapshot society that we have now, where we want everything and we want it on demand. We want our pizza hot and ready and we want it right now. We want everything at our fingertips when we're ready for it on our time frame. And if we have to wait for anything ever, it's too much. We don't want to wait for things. Like again, I'll use my son as an example. He he he's never had to to live in a time where like an episode of a TV show would come out once a week. And if you missed it, you missed it because there was no DVR. There was no on demand. There was no streaming. There was no nothing. Like he, he, he even gets to the point where if, a, if, if a whole season of a TV show doesn't drop at the same time, he'll just wait until the whole season comes out and then he'll binge watch it because that's the society we've created. It's a very binge uh, craving society. We want it all and we want it right now. But that's not what patience is about. Patience is about knowing something valuable is going to happen and eager look, eagerly looking forward to it and patiently waiting for it. And the thing here is that when, they're when, the, when the farmers are patiently waiting for the rains to come, you can't make it rain. So your patience has nothing to do with you making something happen. Patience has to do with you trusting that the Lord will make something happen. That's what being patient is all about. And really, that's what it says in my next verse, Psalm 37, 7, which reads, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper 
or fret about their wicked schemes. So many times we see injustice in this world and we just want to do something about it. We would just want to fix it. We just want to make something happen and make things better. But we can't. And certainly we can't in our own power. Because the thing that changes things is love. The Bible says in another place that you will know that you have passed from death unto life by the love that you have for one another. Love is what love is literally the difference between death and life. If you know Wait, how, wait, how's the saying go? If you have no love, you have no life. But if you know love, then you know life. Because to live is to love, and to love is to live. They aren't just connected, they're the same thing. So when we're waiting patiently, this is not, I'm waiting for my time to do something. This is, we are waiting for Him to act. We are being still in the presence of the Lord. And that part is so important. Because when you're in the presence of the Lord, he will sustain you. He will give you that patience. He will, you know, people always say, if, if you pray for patience, God will give you opportunities to be patient. And I think there's probably something there in that. But I think we all have enough opportunities to be patient in our lives without God piling more on top of us because we're asking him for his help. Like, I think it's more like, you know, those who call on the Lord will be saved. When we're in a situation where we need patience and we we, call, we ask the Lord for some, I think he'll drop some on us. I think he'll give it to us. In fact, I think he already has and it's inside of us. And we just need to know it and believe it. We just need to be still in his presence so we can see him. Because what you see is what you be. What you magnify in your life is what will manifest in your life. What you feed is what will grow. So if we're being still in the presence of the Lord and we're waiting patiently, looking forward eagerly to the valuable harvest, then we know that he is the one that is going to make it happen. We know he is the one that is going to bring the rain, so to speak. So when it says love is patient and kind, love being patient doesn't mean, you know, you have to make something happen. If, if, if you're loving somebody with an expectation of what that will get you, that's not love. If you're loving somebody with the expectation that they will get what they need, that's love. Love is never about getting because love is giving. So the next idea here is, uh, well, I'll read uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 6 because it transitions uh, from one thing to the next, uh, from patience to kindness. 2 Corinthians 6, 6 reads, We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We prove ourselves, or again, as it said in John 13, 35, we prove to the world that we are Jesus' disciples when we understand his nature. And, and, and really when we understand that his nature is our nature. Our true identity is who we are in Christ, which is who Christ is in us. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. That's how we prove to ourselves and to the world that we are who our Heavenly Father says we are. It's by letting Him be who He is in us and through us and as us. And, uh, and to me, one of the biggest keys here is the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is what equips and empowers us to know God as he is, to see him as he is, and to be him as he is 
Once again, not by trying real hard, not by thinking I have to do this myself, but by being still in his presence and waiting patiently for him to act, letting him be who he is in us and through us and as us. We're just the vessel, you know, we're just the spout where the glory comes out. We don't produce the glory, right? He's the vine and we're the branches. The branches don't produce the fruit. The vine produces the fruit. The branches simply bear the fruit. The, van the branches simply make the fruit available to others. And that's what we do. We receive what he has given us and we release it to those that we come into contact with. We let God love us and we love him back by loving each other. So uh, again, there's a connection here between purity, understanding, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, and love. Because all of these things are aspects of love. All of these things are different facets of the nature of love. This is God's nature. This isn't just what he does. This is who he is. God is our purity. God is our understanding. God is our patience. God is our kindness. God is the Holy Spirit within us. And God is our sincere love. It's all about him and who he is in us coming out of us. That's the whole deal. Because we live from the inside out. What you believe is inside of you is what will come out of you. Whether it's negative or positive, whether it's bitterness or hurt, or whether it's forgiveness or love, whatever you believe is inside of you is what comes out of you. That's why it's so important that we know what's inside of us. That's why it's so important that we fill ourselves up to overflowing with what God has already filled us up with, which is his love. So now we've kind of transitioned into the kindness that is love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. And it reads, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And here's the deal with this one. Like I just said, we live from the inside out. You can't get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, if you believe that that's who you are, or if you believe that that's all you have. Bitter pe People who are, are full of bitterness, that, that's what comes out of them. They're bitter. People who have rage inside of them, that's what comes out. It's rage. And I'm not saying that you're never justified to feel these ways, to, to, to feel these different ways. I tell him, I'll, I'll just keep talking about Logan, I guess, today. I tell Logan all the time, buddy, it's okay to feel what you feel, but don't let it control you. You don't have to believe everything you think. Your thoughts can sometimes go to some weird, bad places. And that's why the Bible talks about bringing all thoughts under captivity to the Lord. We need to just, and, and again, I don't think that, that that means you have to focus on the bad thoughts and get rid of the bad thoughts and chase your thoughts around and wrestle them under control. I think it simply means if you think a thought that doesn't line up with the mind of Christ that's already in you, just let it go. Just forget about it. Just lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily besets us. I don't think that God wants us to struggle and fight all the time. I think the only fight that we're supposed to fight in the New Testament is the good fight of faith which is laying hold of the gift of eternal life that we've already been given. 
you don't have to fight for eternal life. You, you have to fight to believe that you already have it. And the way that you believe that you already have it is by knowing that you already have it. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So getting rid of all of these things, to me, it's just letting them go. Like I said, uh, like I said earlier, what you feed is what will grow. But if you don't want something in your life, all you have to do is starve it. Just take your attention away from it. I think we have three real things in our lives that, that we can use to affect change. And I call them the three T's, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And if you don't give your time, talent, and treasure to these uh, quote-unquote evil behaviors, then they'll go away in your life. If you don't focus, because listen, what you focus on, even if, even if you're trying to get rid of it, what you're focusing on in your life is what you're giving power to. It's like when you have to go to the bathroom, right? And you're, you're thinking about, ah, I don't need to go. I can't go right now. I, I don't need to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to go to the bathroom. It's just, it gets worse and worse and worse because you're focusing on the bathroom when instead it's, you know, probably better to try to just distract yourself or to try to do something else until you can go to the bathroom. Just don't focus on it. Don't give it any more power. If love is all powerful, that doesn't mean most powerful. That means love has all of the power. Love is the power and nothing else has any power. Any power that anything else has in your life is the power that you give it. So kindness, we're being kind to each other instead of all of these other things. We're letting God love the hell out of us and not worrying about those things anymore. And instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And this is so important. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I always come back to the new commandment for the new man, where Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. We don't do anything to earn anything from God. We do things because God has given us what we need. In the old covenant, in the Old Testament, it was forgive and then you will be forgiven. In the new covenant, in the New Testament, it's forgive because you have been forgiven. You can't give what you don't have and you can only give what you do have. So in order to forgive others, we have to first know that we are forgiven. Like I always say, if you want to experience something, do that thing. If you want to experience love, love somebody. If you want to experience forgiveness, forgive somebody. That's what makes it real in your life. It's, it's not, it's, receiving it is important, but receiving it is only the first step. You receive it in order to release it. And you receive it from God. Because you're not always going to receive what you want from people. Even people that wrong you, they're not always going to ask for forgiveness, right? Or people that you wrong, they're not always going to forgive you. It comes from the Lord. And then once we get that forgiveness from the Lord, then we can forgive one another and ourselves, and we can stop being a prisoner to, to these, these things, these mistakes we made or these bad choices that we make or this quote-unquote evil behavior that we do. So let me read one more memory verse before we close up. I don't want to run out of time. Um, it's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. And it's kind of a common one. I think most people misquote it, but I think most people kind of know this one. It says, Pride goeth before destruction, and haughtiness before a fall. Because, again, 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. And this one can be a little bit tricky because there are things in your life that you should be proud of. Like, I'm proud of my son. But that's different than being 
proud of yourself. It's like how the the Pharisees, the religious dudes back in Jesus' day, they had self-righteousness. They were proud of what they could accomplish, even all the way back to um, Cain and Abel. Cain was proud of what he could produce from the ground through his own efforts, whereas Abel gave the Lord the sacrifice of a lamb. He didn't make that lamb. He didn't produce that lamb. He just, he knew what the sacrifice that God wanted was. We get proud when we do things ourselves. And that's a dangerous way to do because even if you can do something yourself, it's better to do it with the Lord or or it's better to do it, you know, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks with, with a great cloud of witnesses. It's better to do it in a group. It's better to do it with a support system. It's not good that man should be alone. We shouldn't have to try to do these things on our own, by ourselves, in our own power. That's what puffs us up with pride, and that's what gets us into trouble. And then we get all haughty about it, and that's what goes before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. These are not good things. These are not what we should be focusing on or doing. Instead, I'm going to read it again. Uh, instead, as Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for Him to act. It's not about what we can do. It's about what God can do in us and through us and as us. It's what God has done for us and what he is doing in us. And, and what he has done for us and what he is doing in us is love. Because there's no greater love that a man can have than to lay his life down for his friends. And Jesus didn't just say that. He went to the cross and did that. He didn't just tell us what love is. He showed us. And that's what we're going to continue to do, kind of for the foreseeable future, is hopefully continue to see what love really is, to see the nature of love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. So that's what I have for this week, guys. And as always, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which you know, as we know by now is, is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.